This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 27th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. It's been a year since Illinois adopted Amendment 1. That amendment handed massive new authority to public sector unions, so much so that the collective bargaining agreements that govern unionized employment in the state are in some ways more powerful than state laws. Maylee Smith directs labor policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. We discuss the high hopes for public sector unions in other states looking to follow the Illinois example. You're going to have to walk us through the mechanics here because um, this is the kind of thing that if you describe it to somebody, it sounds like a couple of different issues uh, Mm. nationally. It sounds like certificate of need and it sounds like civil asset forfeiture. And by that, I mean, the first time you explain it to somebody, they say, that's not really how it works. Right. And then you explain it a little bit further, and then they do any any amount of independent research, and they find out, yes, this is actually terrible, right. it's unconscionable, <laughs> and how could we allow this to happen? Yes. That is the case with Amendment 1 in Illinois, right. which has empowered uh, unions to do what? Amendment 1 is really the holy grail of union power. What it has enabled government unions in Illinois to do is demand anything in negotiations. So the amendment provides a fundamental right to negotiate over anything in collective bargaining for government unions. And it's not defined in the amendment. In fact, um, in an NPR debate, during the election season, one of their proponents admitted that you just can't know what will be in these contracts if Amendment 1 were to pass. And alas, it did pass. So anything could be in a government union contract at this point in time. Now, now, okay, fine. Surely the state legislature can decide, well, this cannot be in a (laughs) negotiated uh, union contract. We're just going to say, you don't get to have this thing because it goes against state law that right. already exists. You would think so. You would think so. But the amendment goes a step further and also says that lawmakers can never infringe on that right. They can never define what subjects can go into government union contracts. They can't clarify which government employees this applies to. Funny thing here is that this has backfired a little bit on House Democrats because their legislative staff in Illinois now wants to unionize. And the Speaker of the House doesn't want them to unionize. So, you know, it's it's kind of backfiring on them. Anyone can unionize if they're a government employee and the lawmakers can't do anything about it and they can't limit. They can't even limit the right to strike at this point. So government unions can demand anything and go on strike, holding the taxpayers, holding residents hostage to get what they want. Now, let let me try to clarify this a little bit for uh, our listeners, which is I'm imagining a union contract that says uh, whatever. I'm imagining a police contract, for example. Um, These accountability measures in state law. Right. We find them unpleasant. We don't like these accountability measures, so we're going to negotiate away certain accountabilities for law enforcement in our collective bargaining agreement. Explain to me what happens when the uh, police union contract specifies no no accountability for us. No body cameras, they're gone. The, the contract overrides the state law, and it sounds crazy, 
but that's exactly what it does. So if state law, which it does, has regulations, requirements related to body cameras, and the police union says, you know what, we don't want to wear body cameras, they can demand that kind of provision in their collective bargaining agreement. No, you know, it's a term and condition of employment. No body cameras, no video surveillance. They put that in their contract, and it is more powerful than state law. And we actually went through our laws and identified over 350 laws in, in the state statutes, let alone local stat, local ordinances, over 350 laws that unions could override through their collective bargaining agreements if they don't like them. We use this term collective bargaining to refer to uh, public sector unions and how they engage with local government and uh, the agreement that they hammer out. What What's then to prevent these local officials from saying that can't be a part of your collective bargaining agreement? The, the government that is actually across the table right. from the union. So a couple things there. Um, you could have a, a relationship between the government official and the union officials that is unpleasant. And you could have the um, government officials saying, no, we're not going to put that in the contract. Well, then most of our unions, not necessarily police unions, that's kind of up for debate right now under Amendment 1, but most of our unions, government-wise, would have a right to strike. So teachers' unions, if there's if there's something that the school district doesn't want to put in the contract, the teachers' unions can go on strike. And we, we see that in Illinois pretty frequently that they use that power. Um, on the other hand, you could have a government official who is in lockstep with the union. And that means there's nothing to prevent them from giving away anything that the unions want. We see this in Chicago right now with the election of Brandon Johnson, the newly newly elected mayor. He was on the union payroll for Chicago Teachers Union. He's already started giving them benefits without even negotiating. Um, and 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 it when their contract is negotiated in 2024, it will be very interesting to see what kinds of things they demand. This is moving beyond Illinois. It is. And I, I wonder if the stories that you're seeing from uh, Democrats in Illinois, uh, in the legislature, whether or not the sort of <laughs> emerging horror story for them, uh, whether that continues as well. But Pennsylvania is also looking at something. Is it broadly it, similar? It is actually identical. So Pennsylvania's language was ripped straight from the Illinois amendment and is identical and would do all of those things that I mentioned. It would it would it would allow government unions to demand anything. It would allow them to override state law and it would never it would it would prohibit lawmakers from ever pulling back or clarifying that that right. So, so the then the only way to I mean, I, I mean, I'm thinking like super dark here, which is uh, we've got it in our collective bargaining agreement that there can't be any more amendments to the state constitution. <laughs> um, but because that seems like, because that seems know. like the only way to pull back at this point in right. Illinois uh, and perhaps in the future in Pennsylvania. So um, what are you all looking at in terms of uh the what could be in future contracts that i mean the public at some point has to decide well this is we've had quite enough of this exactly so i think chicago teachers union is a really good example to look to um not only because you know they're here in illinois but they have themselves talked about going out and teaching other 
other unions and other states how to do things, how to get things on the table that aren't usually on the negotiating table. And things that they have demanded in the past are um, the creation of housing. So getting the school district involved in creating housing for teachers, they've demanded defunding the police, um, regardless of where you stand on that issue. Like, that's not something that belongs in a teacher contract. Um, Other things related to um, legislation, like demanding that the city take a stance on particular legislative measures. I mean, this is just it really runs the gamut of what they could possibly demand. And we're already seeing Chicago Teachers Union, you know, rumbling for those things. You know, before we started talking, uh, as we were setting up this interview, I thought, what are the opportunities here for uh, effective Amendment 1 effectively pitting unions against each other? And that sounds entirely reasonable based on what you just said, which is the idea that police unions want this and teachers unions want to defund the police. Yes. We're, we're already seeing that play out in Chicago. So with with Mayor Johnson, um, within a month of his inauguration, he extended paternity benefits um, for, for Chicago teachers union from like six to eight weeks to 12 weeks. Well, goodness, Chicago FOP turns fraternal order of police turns around and says, hey, we want that same benefit. And uh, Brandon Johnson says no. <laughs> He rejected the exact same benefit that he had just given to CTU. He he rejected that for the police union. So we we already see that playing out. And with with that background of Amendment One, I think we'll we'll just see more of those issues creating a wedge potentially between the government unions in Illinois and in other states. Maylee Smith directs labor policy at the Illinois Policy Institute. We spoke in August. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please. And thank you for listening.